millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bike Racing Podcast every week since March and we are continuing. Welcome to episode 24 of Full Throttle from Eurosport for Monday the 10th of September 2018. I'm Greg Haynes. Well, they all said the national circuit at Silverstone was going to be boring. They were completely and utterly wrong. It was the most spectacular weekend in BSB that we've had for a long, long time. And Leon Haslam, the championship leader, extending his lead. 15 more podium credits while rivals self-destructed around him at times. And now that really is a very handy 45-point championship lead over Jake Dixon. We have our six showdown contenders decided. And Leon Haslam himself was very good to spare us 20 minutes in the motorhome on Sunday evening to talk about everything that happened at Silverstone, including a massive high side, which could have ended his season on Friday morning in opening practice. Everything that happened over the weekend, that hard move on Bradley Ray, the fact he had to drop back a position, the confusion in seeing the board, and of course his challenge for 2019, when he will not just be making up the numbers as a number two rider to Jonathan Ray in the World Championship. So let's sit back and enjoy and listen to what Leon Haslam had to tell me on Sunday night at Silverstone. Well, it's a special full throttle this week. Not the usual sort of format. We're actually sat in Leon Haslam's motorhome with the man himself. And we'd already planned to do this, hadn't we, before you'd won all three races. But, I mean, wow, what a hell of a day. Yeah, uh, couldn't have gone any better. Um, honestly, it's uh, started off probably in the worst possible way. Um, had an absolute massive crash on Friday uh, after 10 laps. Um, you know, really, really lucky to get away with it. Uh, it's probably one of my biggest high sides. Uh, and then to bounce back with three wins at a track that, you know, dominantly is, has not been quite suited to the Kawasaki is a, a dream come true. Let's talk about that crash first of all, and because you must have been thinking, oh my God, I don't believe this. It's Brands Hatch all over again. I mean, you were so high up in the air. Yeah, the the speed that it flicked me and the distance I travelled and the impact of landing on my back, I was, you know, to get away with just like a few little scrapes and bruises, um, like I say, very, very lucky. Um, what happened then? What caused it? Uh, Richard Cooper was coming in the pits. Um, he was on the far right-hand side, um, kind of touring. And as I hit my brakes, he kind of just cut across to, to, the, to the inside. So I had to release my brakes. I dove up the inside. Uh, and as I did that, the rear let go and it high-sided me. Um, it was one of those. It was the first session. It was quite cold. I was trying mm. the harder tyre. Uh, his... Uh, being in the way made me probably enter strangely yeah. um, and it just let go you know very the very as well, yeah really. the only left-hander on yeah. the course so very strange but um, very lucky to get away with 
It's interesting, I mean, looking at the races. First of all, so many riders have been bitching about this track, haven't they, with what happened at the Grand Prix. Did you agree with the fact they'd put it on the National and the reasons they'd done that? Yeah, in hindsight, it was dry, so they could have run the big track. But, um, (laughs) you know, obviously for political reasons of of obviously the track being deemed unsafe in the rain and and, and a few other things under investigation, obviously Stuart was obviously trying to cover his bases to, to ride the track that you could run in all weather conditions. Um, it definitely made the racing exciting. It definitely mm. made it uh, quite close. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm after three wins. I'm not complaining. <laughs> so just going through the races, then I mean, at random, there was a good move on Brad Ray, wasn't it? It was a hard move, I thought, but a fair move at Luffield. Talk us through that one. Yeah, um, I'd lined it up the lap before. Um, he was staying out wide, and then I committed myself to go up the inside. And for whatever reason, that lap he he dove in really early and really fast. Um, it was one of those I put myself in a situation where I had no outs. Um, so I ran the inside curb to try and miss him. Uh, we did just come together. Um, it only ran us both wide, uh, but obviously we both lost two or three places. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a, a move that um, was planned to be. I, I meant to go straight through and I kind of found myself in a situation where um, obviously I didn't have any room. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, after that, um, it took a little bit of time to get back up to the leading group. I think I was one and a half seconds off the lead at that point. Um, managed to get to the lead and as soon as I got in the lead I saw uh, 91 plus one and it was only through watching MotoGP I thought oh you know they might want me to drop back And Did you know what it was probably for? I didn't I thought I'd passed on yellows because th- mm. it was so many laps after the incident I thought well surely they'd have given me that penalty straight away yeah. if, if that was for that and uh, I kind of put my leg out and indicated for I think it was Jake or Josh to come past at that time and, and no one come back for like a whole lap and then when they did come past on the start and finish, like Jake and Taron come past, so it was uh, yeah. only three laps to go, and I just dropped back to third, so it wasn't ideal. Um, but yeah, we managed to work our way back to the front and, and make it count. Just a quick word on that: which board did you see? Did you see the official board? Because James Whitten was saying in the commentary, it's actually mm. pretty difficult to see that when you leaned over or your own pit board. I didn't see the official board until after I saw it on my board, and then after okay. I saw it on my board, I then looked purposely where the official board was which is in the wrong place because you can't see it as you come through that corner Mm. Um, so it was purely down to me seeing it on my pit board that um, obviously it made me look to clarify that I needed to drop back a place um, which then obviously I did to be fair to Stuart Higgs and the organisers, they've already said, haven't they, that they're considering bringing more of those boards in. I don't know whether it's going to be on the start, finish, or you know, around the track. That makes sense, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to get it on a few points on the track because, especially here through that fast king, you know, unless you're specifically looking over to the right, yeah. it's uh, it's not a place that you would normally see. So we've got six riders in the showdown already confirmed. Now, is it just me though? Did I get the feeling that Jake Dixon, Brad Ray, they were really pretty annoyed actually today i think they know they've sort of lost some decent points this weekend podium credits oh yeah from my point of view i've gained 14 podium credits over jake who's second still um which is massive um but not only that i think both jake and brad had very good pace all weekend that they had pace in my opinion they was the guys to to go and win Mm. and uh to come out with you know one point for jake and and no points for brad it was uh obviously from their point of view it's a a tough weekend i mean 45 points is is by no means one is it the seven rate 175 points still up for grabs that's a pretty big that's a pretty big margin compared to other years isn't it yeah it's it's i think it's the most ever going into a showdown but like you say anything can happen so you know, um, I'm going into two of my favourite tracks, of Alton and Assen. Um, I think I've won eight out of 11 races at Alton and Is it that many, right? three out of four at Assen. So mm. they are two of my favourite tracks. Um, that said, from my point of view, I've just got to um, keep doing what I'm doing and, and push on with it.
So what's the sort of mindset going into these? Are you going to be doing anything differently now? Because we've, we've seen before, I hate to say this and jinx it, but we've seen before, you know, it can turn on its head, can't it? It's happened to you, it's mm. happened to others. What's the sort of um, approach you're going to be adopting? Um, just kind of continue what I'm doing, you know. Um, yeah. Work as the same, get the race pace, work on race rhythm, um, you know, not be too panicked you know i think that the biggest thing that's played into my hands this year is is that i felt that i, I could manage races and and ride within myself and just push when i needed to push and uh, and it's paid off for me quite a lot this year and you know the one thing i've learned in the past two showdowns is is obviously not to crash and throw it away so you know that's the first thing but at the same time this year the way i've been managing it you know i've been riding pretty safe and pretty good I haven't really spoken to you about the leg dangling thing since all that kicked off at Cadwell. I mean, what was your take on it? Honestly speaking, were you doing anything different to any other lap? I didn't do anything different. The only thing I did different was I went in more defensive, yeah. So which obviously put me more on the right side of the track, which then I had to come over from the right to the left, which meant the bike was lent over more, so it looked like a higher leg. But the actual leg dangle was exactly the same as every other lap. Um, You've it, always done that to be yeah, fair, haven't you? And also, you know, my argument point is, is that, you know, from where the wheels are touching the floor to the furthest part of me out, mm. that's probably the same width as Brad Ray's knee. You know what I mean? Because he's so much taller <laughs> yeah, and longer than yeah. me. So, you know, from my point of view, it was, I think it was just a little bit of bitterness of obviously losing the race. Um, and, you know, obviously you just watch anyone who's winning any world level race and, and they're all doing it. Because Jake didn't seem him personally so bothered I think it was more his team wasn't it is that fair to say yeah me and Jake are fine you know yeah. we've laughed and joked about it this weekend and just mainly about the response that people put on social media you know you, <laughs> you always get your haters and uh, do you read it, it a lot I find it quite entertaining yeah. um, you know the negative stuff is is what fuels it you know, yeah. and also kind of spurs you on more there's so many times I want to reply but you know you have to bite the thing mm. and I know you know the nice comments I've had from a lot of different races and world champions of saying how good a move it was and what I did was fantastic so you know yeah. you've got to take the positives and ignore the negatives it's funny though about social media because that's something that's changed isn't it in the last few years 10 15 years or even less than that mm -hmm. you you couldn't see those reactions from people like that before could you maybe they wouldn't say it to your face but they would mm -hmm. say it on there yeah yeah and you always get that and yeah. uh, I've, I've had some funny um stories with social media and people over the years and i could be talking about what i've had for lunch on social media and someone will attack me that mm. uh, you know I'm, I'm a rubbish rider or something like that there's some strange people there but no it, it's all part of it and um, you know you've got to be the bigger person and you know it's been good you know that's five races in a row that i've won now so um yeah, you know true. got to keep going have you got any real enemies in racing i don't know whether you'd want to name them but have you got any not really um no it's it's, it's been good um you know, I've been teammates to a lot of people. Mm. Me and Melandri had them running in with BMW. That's probably the only one. But me and Marco are cool. You know what I mean? We still get on. Um, you know, me and Johnny's raced against each other most of our career. And we've had some comings together and crashes and whatever else. Yeah. And it's racing, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, and the one thing I've always said on how I ride is even if it was my dad that was in front of me, I'd be riding exactly the same. You know, yeah. it's all about winning and, 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 and riding as hard as you possibly can. It's interesting, we'll talk about World Superbikes as well in a minute, but your teammate there for next year is Jonathan Ray. You're quite similar, aren't you, really, in the way you both like to bring your family to the races. Some people prefer not to do it, you know, have the kids around and your wife around. But it works for you, doesn't it? Does it, you know, it's like a home from a home, isn't it, really? 
Yeah, it is, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, the kids are getting to the age now where they're going to be at school, so mm. you know they might not be at all the races, but it's always good to surround yourself with people that make you happy, and you know to have the kids at the racing, and especially my dad, who's actually going to be a part of the team as well, with with a spot in point of view, and yeah, it's um, it is good, and it's all about the people that you have around you uh, to get the most out of yourself, and um, you know I'm lucky that I've got some good people around me that allows me to train and be selfish as you have to be as a rider to, to get the job done do you feel guilty in a way about because i think in life in general you have to be quite selfish sometimes don't you and put yourself first um do you ever feel bad with that approach in a way no not from my point of view just because it's um everyone that's around me knows that racing's my life and, yeah. and that's who i am and and, and that's never going to change as, as far as that goes and you know, I'm, I'm all for accepting people through the R and if you've got dedication and drive to, to achieve something, then, you know, if they're being selfish and not doing something or not doing that, it, it's for a reason and, and each to their own. So, you know, I admire the people that can, um, you know, sacrifice and dedicate in that way. Uh, I don't want to look too far forward yet, but if you do win this title, how long do you see yourself going on for now? Because I'm not expecting to be retiring anytime soon, but obviously you're closer to the end than the beginning of your career, I guess. Do you ever think about it? Not really, no. Um, you know, from my point of view, you know, most people get up to the 40 mark. You know, Biagi, yeah. Czech, uh, Bayless all won the last world title when there was 40. So, um, how old are you now again? 35. So I've got five years to get to where they were winning world mm. titles. Um, but from my point of view, if I'm competitive and enjoying it, then I'll carry on as long as I can. Talking of world titles before we go, that's obviously your next target now, isn't it? World Championship. How did that all sort of come about? Because there was so much talk about other riders getting that ride, and all of a sudden your name appeared around sort of Laguna Seca time. Hmm. And it happened pretty quickly then, didn't it? Where did it all start? Yeah, I think it's a lot of the work I've been doing in Japan. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've been over there quite a lot with Suzuka testing and, and even the Japanese championship I did in 16 at the end of the year. And um, mm. they actually approached me quite early on to see if I'd be available. Um, and, it, and you know, there wasn't really any pushing or any questions. It was, would you do it if it was available? There was obviously waiting to see what Johnny was doing. Um, and then obviously it, it happened quite easy and quite fast. You know, there was no real, you know, difficulties in, in, in the signing because they basically offered me the best bike and the best team in the mm -hmm. World Championship, which I've always said, if that's the case, then I'm in. Um, you know, the last few years I've turned down satellite rides that, in my opinion, that wasn't capable of winning um, because I want to win. And the fact that Kawasaki was offering me that deal um, in the best team, on the best bike, it was a no-brainer for me. It does seem pretty apparent that there was a genuine chance that Jonathan could have gone to Ducati, doesn't it? Looking back now, talking to people in the paddock, it seems like it could have happened at one point. Yeah, obviously everything's possible and silly season, silly season, you know, when mm. uh, a lot of rumours go round and people have a conversation with a team and automatically they're signing from next year and, uh, you know, mm. that's just the way it goes. And, yeah. uh, you know, from my point of view, it, those questions asked, I answered them and then the next minute was like, well, do you want to do it? And then that was it. So it wasn't anything um like say me trying to push for something or or anything out of the blue and you know the fact that you know Kawasaki's done that you know is a is a big honor from my point of view to to try and uh, achieve the results that they want me to quite a lot of people seem to think and I'm not going to lie I thought this at the beginning that are they just keeping that seat warm for Toprak for the year after is that the case or not I mean if Toprak doesn't have a good 19 he's not going to be on that bike the year after is he surely yeah, obviously Top Rack's a young kid, but he also had in his contract he was supposed to get it this year. Um, mm. You know, that was one of the stipulations of when I was talking to Pachetti, that, you know, he would move up mm. to the factory team. So and why didn't that happen then? 
I don't know. I think you know the it's, it's obviously they've got to be two competitive riders, and uh, mm. obviously still learning. And you know he's still on a Kawasaki. He's getting yeah. factory support, so because um, he's quick, he's good, isn't he? Yeah, he's a good rider. But you know the the difference of of learning and, and all that. You've you've got to make them steps yeah. um, naturally. You know yeah. you don't want to throw someone in the deep end and. You know, it's all about experience and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, the, the fact that he's there and he is a good, very talented rider, then uh, we'll have to wait and see if he progresses. You reckon, <laughs> I don't know if this is a fair question, is Jonathan going to be surprised as to how hard you push him next year? Because knowing so. you, because <laughs> yeah, knowing you as we do, you're not going to just give in, are you? You're not going to be like number two, I would imagine. No, obviously, from my point of view, <laughs> I've raced Johnny God knows how many years and yeah. I've beat him in several championships and he's beat me in several championships and you know the last race of the year in aprilia i won and you know yeah, was there wasn't race. many people that beat johnny in 15 when he was on that kawasaki mm. and uh, i managed to beat him twice on the aprilia so uh, for the parliament for the a win. good one wasn't it that, i remember so that. yeah you know on the same bike uh i think my biggest challenge next year out of everything is going to be johnny ray you know he's looking like he's going to take his fourth world title yeah. he's riding that wave and he's riding the best i've ever seen him um he knows the team well he knows his obviously the championship very very well um so from my point of view i've just got to get my head down and ride as hard as i can and let's see if i can give him some uh stick <laughs> it's a bloody good opportunity though for you isn't it were you just sort of pinching yourself in a way as to how it's happened because you wouldn't have believed it maybe a year ago would you or maybe you would i don't know no from my point of view i've never had an opportunity to go and win a world title you know every bike i've ever been on um has never been the bike or team to that you would choose to go and win a world title on it was mm. always a second or rate third rate sort yeah. Of option where this is um, my best opportunity but at the same time it's probably going to be my hardest opportunity because hmm. I'm up against Jonathan on the same bike yeah. so you know I'm, I'm under no illusion how hard it's going to be but at the same time I'm, I'm going to take it with both hands What do you find it like working with Pera Ibra and all the other guys who you work with at Suzuka and also do you know who your crew team's going to be yet? Yeah I'm, I'm working with Marcel and um, yeah, I worked with Marcel and Suzuka. I worked with Perry there. I also worked with Danilo, who's going to be my electronics engineer mm, as well. So good, um, all top, top guys with the experience to win world titles. So, yeah, they're all new people to me, people that I've got to gain a relationship with, um, get an understanding on how to work. Um, but at the same time, the the credentials speak for themselves. And how are the team, Gim Roder and Co., you know, how are they approaching it with you? We know you've got a lot of support from Japan, but are they sort of saying you're here to help Johnny or you're here to beat Johnny or <laughs> have you not had that conversation yet? No, Gim's um, been really good. All the conversations I've had and the fitness tests I've had over there already and stuff is... He's, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Colin Wright from when I was in the <laughs> British Championship of, yeah. you know, no ter no stone unturned and he's really on the ball with everything and I'm actually really excited, you know. Uh, I know he doesn't take uh, any nonsense, you know, every result or bad result, you know, mm. needs an answer for, which I like that. You know, yeah, it's quite uh, a stern approach, they yeah. don't mess around, do they? And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to work with them guys and, um, like I say, whatever they're doing is working, so I just need to get on board. Will you and Jonathan be able to share data and swap notes and all that kind of thing? Yeah, it's quite an open team with that, everything shared. And, um, yeah, you know, uh, our riding styles don't differ too much. Our setup in the eight hours is very similar. Um, the feedback from both of us in eight hours is pretty much exactly the same. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can help each other, especially with the new bike that's out as well. I don't know whether you want to comment on this, but what do you make of everything that's happened there this year with Jonathan and Tom? I mean, it's got a bit ugly, hasn't it? I don't know whether it needed to get to that stage, but it has. No, you could see Tom was getting frustrated, you know, um, when Tom won the world title, everyone questioned if it was him or the bike, and mm. 
you know, he, he's always been on that fighting battle to justify himself as a rider, which in my opinion doesn't need to, you know, he's world champion. Mm. Um, but then at the same time, then when Johnny did come on board, he's absolutely dominated. So yeah. I can see the frustration from Tom's side and, you know, and obviously when one side of the garage is winning and not, I've been in that situation and it is tough. So, yeah, I, th I think the incident was nothing. I think the reaction was well overreacted. And, you know, I think that's just a sign of, like say, a little bit of frustration. So just before we go back to BSB very quickly, you got some strong showdown contenders and then you got a 45 point lead over Jake Dix. And who else we got? Glenn Irwin, Brad Ray, Peter Hickman and, Josh Brooks. and Josh Brooks. Mm. Brooks was my pre-season tip anyway, actually. Mm. I hate to say that to you mm. now, but he looked good, didn't he, coming into it? Yeah. What do you reckon now? I still think Josh is the main threat, um, purely because he goes really, really well at Aston, he goes really well at Brands, and Brands has three races. Mm, um, yeah, that's true. I think he's only three or four podium credits behind Jake, and he got the double win there at Brands GP, and he could very easily go and win all three races at Brands. So mm. that alone's 15 points yeah, if true. you finish second to him. So yeah. I've always said Josh was my main title threat with Shaky before he got injured, um, and I still stand by that. Um, but you know there are other people in the mix. You know Brad Ray goes really well in the call attempts. Um, you know Jake's obviously always there or thereabouts. Um, you know Glenn Irwin, especially uh, again at Alton and and even Brands GP, he goes really strong. Um, so it's not going to be easy. They're all going to be fighting. They're all going to want to prove themselves, and uh, we'll have to wait and see. And just before we sign off, have you heard anything of Luke? Because I've not heard anything since the crash. I mean, I don't quite know what happened. Did somebody run over him today? Or? I, I think it was just a big high side. He did bang his head, but he wasn't knocked out. or He didn't have a concussion. He just got a bit of a headache, I think. Um, initially, I thought he'd done his collarbone because it looked like he was holding it a little bit funny. Mm. But everything's all fine from that point of view. So, uh, yeah, a few days of rest and it should be okay for Alton. So just one final word then, Leon Haslam's message for the fans, if you like. It's your chance to say hello to everyone back home. How are you feeling going into this showdown now? this title you know it's so close now isn't it how are you feeling it's been going too good so far so it's making me nervous that it's going so well but at the same time that gives me confidence you know yeah. we are going into Alton and Aston which I've got a really good record at um, we have got a little bit of a buffer with the podium credit so uh, yeah fingers crossed we can just keep chipping away May the best man win I suppose exactly <laughs> thanks a lot Leon good luck thank you Well, Leon Haslam, he sounds pretty confident, doesn't he? I'm in the car now, ready to leave Silverstone. It's 8 o'clock on Sunday night. The sun has set on Northamptonshire and Buckinghamshire because the track's in both counties, of course. And we are all set for the BSB showdown of 2018. So, it's Haslam, it's Dixon, it's Glenn Irwin, Josh Brooks, Bradley Ray and just peter hickman one of those six will win the bennett's british superbike title of 2018 and we'll be back with a full throttle bikes podcast from eurosport there's a lot to come over the next few weeks including next monday we'll have a double helping world superbikes finally back underway after 10 weeks from portimao i'll be there for the podcast with freddie spencer and then i'll be on the phone with somebody from alton park james whittam or one of the gang to talk about BSB as well as the showdown gets underway. So good luck to Leon Haslam and everybody else. He sounds pretty confident though, doesn't he? Let's see what happens as the action continues at Alton Park and Portimao live on Eurosport and the Eurosport player this weekend. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 